What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day smart metabolic burn by brain md can kickstart your metabolism fight stubborn body fat especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey right now save over 30 percent on smart metabolic burn at getsmartburn.com the lowest price anywhere that's getsmartburn.com don't delay transform your life with smart metabolic burn from brain md these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration our products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease this is your moment your time to shine your comeback you're ready for the next step in your career and you want an education employers respect so you're not just going back to school you're coming back with purdue global backed by purdue university one of the nation's most respected public universities purdue global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It's Monday, August 10th. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. Contact tracing was supposed to be one of the biggest tools in the fight to contain the spread of coronavirus. But many health departments across the country are losing the race to warn the contacts of COVID victims. City and county health departments say that they don't have enough money or staff to keep up with the surge of cases. On Alabama's Gulf Coast, the contact tracers are stretched so thin that they are telling people who get the virus to notify contacts themselves. The country only has about a quarter of the contact tracers that is recommended to be able to do the job effectively, not to mention the difficulty in getting some people to comply. Jamie Dowdell, investigative reporter at Reuters, joins us for more. Thanks for joining us, Jamie. Thanks so much, Oscar wanted to talk about contact tracing and how hard it is for lo- many local health departments to keep up. We've all seen, obviously, that the cases of COVID-19 are increasing, and it just makes contact tracing so much harder. Just to kind of remind everybody, when the pandemic was in its early stages, everybody was saying, well, contact tracing is going to be such a huge thing because it's going to help us keep track of those that get infected and people they might have come in contact with, everybody can quarantine and there will be no spread or hopefully will be less spread. But this thing has just gotten so out of control. There's no money in local health departments to keep people on staff to do it. There's just so much going on with this. So, Jamie, you guys looked into a bunch of local health districts to see how they were doing with their contact tracing efforts. Tell us a little bit about that. So one of the things that's really interesting with the situation is that contact tracing is one of the foundations of public health and disease management. It's nothing new. It's been around for a long time. And as you mentioned, it's important to combating 
COVID was stressed early on in the pandemic. Government said we need to get lots of people on the ground doing this. And despite the federal government saying it, despite state government saying that, we're finding that largely the local health departments, the ones that are the people on the ground that are actually having to conduct this work, have had massive issues. And so we wanted to take a look at that. We did that in a few different ways. We follow a specific contact tracer, speaking with them every day for weeks at a time. We talked to officials, administrators of local health departments, and we put out a survey of local health departments across the country. And that survey was incredibly telling because the departments that responded, we had more than 120 local health departments from across the country to respond. And some very common concerns included issues with staffing. A lot of them, they're not able to hire new people. They don't have the bodies to do it. And so they're getting redeployed staff from other areas of their departments. They're getting basically volunteers from other parts of the government to come and learn how to do that. Some are not getting any money at all. The state of Missouri was really interesting because despite asking the state for money from the first round of COVID funding, the state said, we just can't do this. And as of now, most of the local health departments in that state haven't received any funding at all to help them with this. And as you said, the cases are soaring. So what we're seeing is a lot of frustration. They want to do this work. They see the importance of this work. And a lot of contact tracers and administrators told us that this is a worthwhile endeavor. But then at the same time, they're just being outstripped of their power to keep up with this. And it's gotten so bad that there's a county in Alabama, Mobile County, Alabama, they're stretched so thin that the local health department there is telling those who test positive to notify contacts themselves. That's how stressed out they are that they know they're not going to be able to keep up or be able to do the workload. So they're saying, hey, can you just please help us by doing that even? You know, it's almost laughable in that sense. So you did get a lot of responses from big health departments in big cities like Minneapolis, Boston, Cleveland, and a lot of smaller ones too, Allentown, Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. Bear County, North Carolina. So there's Mm -hmm. a, a big range of responses that you got. Take us through a typical day or a contact tracer. And I think one of the ones that you profiled was a former librarian too. Kind of going off of what you said, that a lot of them are just being redeployed from other city agencies or something else just to help out with these efforts. But they're doing long days. They're hoping they can reach, I think it, the number was 75% of people who have contracted the virus so that they can do the proper techniques that they need on the contact tracing. But some agencies are hitting way below that, 40% or even less. What's interesting is kind of some of these personal stories behind the contact tracers. We followed a woman in San Francisco who was a librarian, and she basically was trained to become a contact tracer. And she became so key to that that she ended up becoming a supervisor. And so her day, she has to dole out who everyone calls. And it was really interesting because it used to be in the beginning, like she'll have to do part of her work will be the library. And then part of her work is contact tracing. But now it's all contact tracing. There's a woman in Michigan. Her name is Karen Cordobine. Really fascinating story there is she's a veteran nurse for the Berrien County Health Department there. And That contact tracing is something that she normally does as part of her job, but it's not a full-time thing. But then in COVID, they started hearing reports that a gospel singer, Sandy Patty, had had a concert in their county, 
and Sandy Patty had tested positive. And so I believe it was a Saturday or Sunday, all the nurses for the county came into work and started tracking things down and figuring out getting people who'd attended the concert. And through the contact tracing, they found their county's first positive cases. And so what she did is is after that, she and the other tracers there, they staff that county every single day. The county is open, even though typically it would be closed on Saturday and Sunday, but someone's covering it. And I spoke with her every day for about two and a half weeks. And one thing I, I think that we think about contact tracing as something that's important to protect the public, but this is also tough work for them because they happen to be talking to these people and they may talk to a person that ends up dying a week later. And, you know, Karen, she told me that one day I talked to her and she said, I had COVID dreams all last night. I just couldn't sleep. And so, you know, there are other struggles that they're going through as well, even when it works really well. And, And in the case of San Francisco, they're having great success. And in the case of Berrien County, they're having success, too. So there are some areas that are finding success. But largely what we were finding is, you know, a big struggle to hit those targets that you mentioned. And so we found 40 of the departments who responded. We called them like large based on the size of their cases. So we had 40 departments that had 1,000 cases or more. And of those, about half were able to reach nearly all of the people. And as we mentioned, 75% is the goal. And so they're just not hitting their targets and that, you know, there's frustration all around. Yeah. And time is of the essence with all of this. You have to find the case as early as possible to get them to quarantine, to get other people they've come in contact. If too much time goes by, it becomes useless at that point. And that was some of the other stuff that you were finding too. I, I, we talk a lot about testing delays. And testing delays also hamper the contact tracing effort. If a test comes a week later, I mean, that's a week of exposure that a lot of people could have had in the meantime. And I just wanted to add on real quick about some of the difficulties that a contact tracer, a person actually doing the work, has. When it works well, that's great, but sometimes people don't want to share their personal information. They don't want to share who they've been around. They'll yell at a contact tracer, you know, get out of here type of thing. So there's difficulties all around on that. I did want to talk about funding for contact tracing because we know that Congress is debating a lot of this right now, how much money to allocate for this stuff. As with everything, it's a big fight. Republicans want to offer a little less money. Democrats want a ton more money, but these states are so strapped for money and staffing, they need it to bolster these efforts. Right. And so What we talked to officials at the Department of Health and Human Services, and basically what they're saying, what they told us is that the federal government has given all of this funding. And what we've been told is that the states have the money, but they're just not spending it. It's just not being drawn down. And so we've actually seen that specifically in Missouri. What we saw is the CARES Act funding, which you know, one of the issues is that none of the money that's been given out is designated specifically for contact tracing, right? It could be used for testing. It could be used for contact tracing. It could be used for other things, but there's nothing designated just for that. And so in Missouri, the CARES Act money, it goes to the state and the state distributed it to the counties and the county commissions. And so local health departments in Missouri have to then go to their county commissioners and apply for the money. In some situations, they were just denied. The county wouldn't give them money. Um, In other situations, it has been approved, but they have to do it on a reimbursement basis. 
And so, you know, they spend the money and then they submit receipts and then they might refund it and they might not. And so there's a lot of fear that these health departments just are going to run out of money, essentially. Um, And we were told that some are really, really worried about that. And so the funding varies from state to state on what is happening, but there are some real issues. And the bottom line is it is a major concern for the local health department. So even if it's being said that the money is getting out there, they're reporting to us that they're not seeing it. And that's why we've done a lot of stories on the podcast, too, about states calling for some type of national guidance or infrastructure to get a lot of this stuff done. They're largely left to themselves, and it's so decentralized certain points, it makes sense because things need to be local and handled locally. Mm -hmm. But I know states have been clamoring for some type of big national effort to coordinate all of this stuff, allocate money and resources and really help out. So it's a difficult job as we've been talking about, and states are having a hard time getting the contact tracing efforts to be effective just because the cases are going so high right now. But we'll have to keep monitoring and, and seeing what's going on there. But it's a great look into all these health departments. So I suggest everybody go out and read the piece by Jamie. Jamie Dowdell, investigative reporter at Reuters. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much, Oscar. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's biggest news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.